Who knows what Jay-Z, J.K. Rowling, Bill Gates and Oprah Winfrey all have in common? Okay, I will tell you then. They have all overcome failure in one shape or form to go on to gain success in their respective careers. Welcome to My Perfect Failure. Join us as we delve into the world of our perfect failures. We will interview, explore, and discuss how our perfect failures can lead us to success. Join us and tune in. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of My Perfect Failure. Today, we have another amazing guest for you. So our guest today, or today, we have a U.S.-based communications and product development leader with experience in Fortune 100 companies. She is an accomplished educator, trainer, and localizer. Her unique career portfolio spans across a number of industries from international consulting and financial services to e-learning, international publishing, and academia. She has lived in five countries and speaks five languages, She's a firm believer in global exchanges. She proudly serves on the board of directors of World Chicago, a nonprofit organization that helps connect youth and professionals around the world through cultural and business exchanges to help advance economic development and build world peace. So I love that. In 2022, she was elected or selected as a Bankers Without Borders Wells Fargo Global Fellow, where she led a team of Wells Fargo employees who helped develop marketing strategy for the GGBK, an India-based nonprofit that works with survivors of human trafficking. She lives in Chicago and with her husband and her son. So a very, very warm welcome to my perfect failure, Tatiana Sageva, how are you? Thanks so much, Paul. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so I'm so glad to have to have you on my perfect failure. We've been talking for a while now. So it, you know, like when you're eagerly anticipating actually having the discussion. We had an, a lovely initial discussion where we just and I connected and we we sort of discussed a couple of um things that we'd like to cover today. So I'm pleased that we'll finally get into talk on my perfect failure. Yeah, so excited, Paul. Yeah. I'm you've got an impressive book collection behind you. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yes, I do. Yeah. I've been it's this is actually a combination of my and my husband's books and um it, the the kind of the way I have them selected, you know, you mentioned that I speak five languages, but I have them actually uh, sorted by language. So that's Really? That's, do you? <laughs> Yeah, because I have I, I've gotten that question before. They're like, how you know? Do, how do do you like use some sort of a library yeah. sorting system? How do you do that? I'm like, I just sort of language. So, so that's amazing. So you speak five languages, but also you read in those languages as well. Correct. Yeah. So, correct. I mean, obviously, I have you know there there's there there are uh, three that I use on a regular basis. So yeah. I prefer, of course, to read in those yeah. just because it's it's easier. But yeah, the others, I, you know, sometimes I have to use a dictionary, which is fine. But uh, yeah, I do try to read in all five to keep them yeah. going so I don't forget. <laughs> that's, that's so foreign to me to be able to just pick. So the idea of picking up a book and be able to like make sense of another language and, and just, you know, 
if it's information that you want to get, you're able to read it, translate it and execute or, you know, I love but it's something, you know, it's nothing better than reading the book and it's original, right? Really? So yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's kind of that's the fun part for me is that I actually get, you know, for, for those languages mm. that I do speak, I get to experience the uh the authors in you know in the original okay. language instead of having to read a translation. So that's yeah. that's the cool part that I think. Okay. I get yeah. Into. I was talking to my brother about that recently, actually. When he, we were talking about in relation to films, he likes to read the books. Um, if he can beforehand, because invariably the books are better than a film. So mm-hmm. although the film might be great, if you've read the book, you tend to get more depth and there's definitely more information you get. And, and yeah, so he, he referenced that only a few days ago. So um, he's definitely in your, on your Very page much. when it comes to that. So, so, so for everybody listening, today's episode with Tatiana is how to back yourself and try and try new things. And I think that, I think, I think a lot of us have ideas and wants and desires to try new things, but invariably for a lot of us, they just remain ideas that, that um, can actually be ideas that they might be lifelong ideas that we never realize, or there might be ideas that there's never really any firm belief behind those ideas. So they kind of like come and go quite quickly and that can be a pattern. So I'm really excited to get into that discussion with you. And I, I guess what I gleaned from when I was you know, researching you is that you you seem to be someone that's continued continually back to yourself because you've moved from, uh, from Russia to the US and to other countries. I guess we'll get into that. Yes. You've studied five languages and you speak five languages. So you've backed yourself there. And also there's been career transition. So you've got this behavior of continually backing yourself. Is that where does that come from for you? So I think that, you know, a big part of this, I really think had to do with my being an exchange student from Soviet Russia to the United States at the age of 15. I think for me, that was really that transformational point, because, you know, when when you're 15 years old, it's uh, it's still, you know, very much your formative year. You're still learning. You're still, you know, growing. You're still becoming an adult. And so for me, I think that moving to another country for an entire year, being alone, living with a United States family, right? My mom stayed back in, in Russia. I was, I, I came to the United States alone. And I think that that's just, you know, having that open mind that everything's going to be okay, that I'm going to like my family. Everything will be great. I'm going to learn a lot. I'm going to learn English, uh, really kind of made that difference for me. So. Um, And I think that after experiencing all of these new things, new family, new school, new town, new continent, new country, new people, new everything, and opening my mind to it, I think it really helped me down the road with the things that you just listed, right? Maybe learning a new language, moving to a new, new, uh, yet another country, 
changing the, the industry. But make no mistake, Paul, I, you know, since we're all going to talk about mm -hmm. failure today as yeah. well, I wanted to also provide some context around my relationship with failure. Okay. And that I have been absolutely mortified and terrified of failure for most of my life. Really? really until, you know, really? just a couple of years ago. At 100% truth. So, and I think that a lot of it also, you know, I'll just give a little bit back, you know, a little bit of my personal story, how kind of failure uh, really was not a good friend ever. Mm, mm. And so I was um, raised by a single mother. My mom, my, my, my dad died when I was very young. And so my, my mom was um, left alone to raise two little girls. And she had a, you know, pretty, pretty uh, important job, even though, you know, we were in Soviet Russia, she was very busy, she was running a huge, um, a huge plant. And so she didn't really have a lot of time to spend with me to help me with homework and, you know, kind of be a helicopter mom, let's say. And so but she set kind of, you know, very clear expectations. And, but and maybe she didn't quite articulate that. But I knew that I had to do well in school, so that I don't disappoint my mom. Right. I had to do well. I couldn't fail. Um, I and I became kind of a straight A student. I became a valedict valedictorian and valedictorians don't fail. Right. There's mm. like they just they don't fail. So I was absolutely mortified of doing something wrong, of, um, you know, not meeting somebody's expectations. This was absolutely part of me. I mean, I just uh, so and. So basically, that feeling stayed through with me through most of my life, as I said, just really until only a couple of years ago, where failure and I just were not good friends. So just wanted to provide some context that, uh, you know, you have a person here yeah. who, is, who, who very much um, was afraid of failure and uh, kind of in many ways did not get out of my comfort zone when I could have or I should have. So I just wanted to give uh, give that background as well. That that that's really interesting. So in terms of your relationship with failure, when how was how or when did that evolve? Where you've got maybe a more engaged relationship, or maybe yeah. even you seek it because you know that advancement is part of the process. Yeah, absolutely. And that's there's a story behind that too. That really just my uh, failure and I has uh, become much better friends a couple of years ago. And the reason for that was the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Okay. So during when COVID hit, I had uh, my son was 11 years old at that time. And he was also, in addition to kind of being that you know, preteen, uh, he was also in the middle of transitioning to a brand new school. And it was not just a brand new school. It was also a school which was very different from an environment that he was used to. Yeah. Previously, for many years, he was in a very, very small private school where he was, you know, in a Chinese immersion program. And he was transitioning to a school which was probably, I don't know, five, seven times larger um, with essentially it, it was also, you know, a public school. And, you know, the language program was couple hours a week for one semester, you know, so very, very different. So he was in the middle of um, getting to know people, adjusting to a new atmosphere, you know, finding yourself and finding himself in that humongous school. So it was very, very tough time for him. And then, you know, COVID hits. 
all the friends are at home or all the potential yeah. friends are at home. There are no opportunities for him to meet anybody. So I was getting a little bit nervous there because I said, I thought that, well, he can really become bored very quickly or even worse than that, become depressed. So my, you know, I felt that my responsibility as a mother was really kind of, you know, keep him um, excited about life, keep him interested in things. So I, I said, okay, how about um, we try, we just try new things, new activities. And given that we have an 11 year old, old boy here, they had to be outside because of course during COVID, yeah. we could still do things outside. Right. So I'm like, okay, let's just do some physical activity outside. And one other thing that I wanted to mention too, is that for me, you know, remember kind of me and failure, not being so, such good friends is that for me, kind of, I am always, for me, things that are new and exciting intellectually have never been an issue. Like if, if you yeah. were to learn a new skill that requires, you know, mind work or uh, a new role or something like that, for me, that's not that huge of a challenge. What is a challenge for me is really something physical activities, right? So uh, activities that require control of your body, um, and so th this is something that really scares me. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know why, but anyway, so for me, that was really challenging. And so here I have to do something new, think of something new to do with an 11 year old who is very active, yeah. but I'm not that great at physical things. So, so, but okay. So what do we do here? So I said, okay, let's give it a try. I'm going to do it. And I remember, I can give you one example, which is still very vivid in my memory, but uh, there is, so we have this zip lining activity nearby and it's in the forest, right? So you go, you know, pre at a pretty high speed through the forest on a zip line and you go through kind of several courses and my son's like, oh yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for my birthday, mom. Let's do it. And an adult had to accompany him because he was not old enough. <laughs> so that adult had to be me. <laughs> And I still remember I did not sleep the night before the yeah. zip line because I was so worried of what could go wrong. If I'm going to fall, yeah. if I'm going to get stuck in the middle of a zip line, I don't know, something, yeah. something was going to go wrong. So I was so, so nervous. And um, of course, I went and did it and I had a blast. Yeah, I had an app. I didn't get stuck. Nothing, you know, nothing failed. Nothing. Everything was perfect. Everybody had fun. My son was happy. And I was actually um, also happy. Mm. I this trying this something new really that was getting out of my comfort zone big time. And I said, okay, well, you know, that's not too bad. Uh, I can handle that. Maybe I should try something else uh, that I've never tried before. And so, and from there, things just kind of got progressed. They progressed, and we, as a family, we tried new things. And whether it was, you know, archery or whether it was, you know, something else, but it, it's, it, and then at the end, you know, it kind of became this thing where we were asking each other, Hey, like, so yeah. what activity did you like the best, you know, out of the five last five that we tried and everybody liked different things. And we were so excited about that. And, and I really kind of was starting to see a pattern mm. of the more new things that we tried, the more we wanted to do. Yeah. Right. So kind of you, it, it, it really uh, prompted uh, that pattern of keep trying, keep trying new things. And I also no noticed a pattern of how excited everybody was. Really? Just, 
despite the fact that we were in the middle of COVID pandemic, right? I mean, what's exciting about pandemics? So, but we were still finding the ways to kind of make each other happy by trying out these new activities. And, you know, we were actually also finding out that, you know, somebody like my husband was turned out to be awesome at archery. Like, he, yeah. you know, the, the, the instructor felt that he would be, he could go on competitive level. So, and it just, I really felt that it was something fascinating that totally worked, totally yeah. worked. And in fact, interestingly enough, I also, um, you know, my, my feeling about the fact that this really works was so firm that I'm like, there's got to be scientific research done <laughs> because this is just so yeah. effective. And sure enough, uh, you know, I just really made a, kind of a really a simple Google search and absolutely there's scientific evidence that trying new things has such a positive effect on our brain. It helps us, you know, it, it helps the release of dopamine, you know, the chemical brain chemical that makes us feel good, which in turn helps us lead those more positive and happy life. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, also uh, helps the formation of new uh, of new brain cells. So it's, it's, it's really? to me. Okay. Interesting. Really interesting. Yeah. So, it, so I think that it just, it was really fascinating to me to, see that evident pattern yeah. of the effectiveness of trying these new things, which for me personally, were very much getting out of my comfort zone. Yeah. No, I love that, that um, the journey that you guys have been on because it's almost, you know, there's discovery there. There's Absolutely. also almost, you know, I sense you know revelations about things that that you guys have discovered i guess individually that yes. you enjoy doing that potentially if you didn't have the bravery or the curiosity to actually do these things you would have never had these experiences 100% and I, and and, all, and, all, and like now there's this domino effect where as a family you would all trying different things and like the story about your your husband to, you know, the instructor said, look, this guy has serious potential to do this, you know, to a, exactly. a competitively or a really high level. So it's, it's, there's almost like a, a transformation there. And that's exactly, I think that's the right word here, Paul. Transformation is absolutely right. Yeah. And just one other thing that I wanted to mention as well is that, as we were trying these new things, right? And I mean, they were kind of, you know, a lot of them had to do again uh, with like yeah. physical activity. I was also noticing that transformation yeah. that you just mentioned in other areas of my life. Okay. So let's say, you know, we talk about, you know, even with we just take career, right? Yeah. I, um, during that year, I, because of trying again, new things, I was promoted at work within, you know, really after being like 11 months on the job, right? I also joined uh, a non-for-profit as a member of board of directors. So even, and to me, those are very significant things, right? So for me, they were important. And I, and I felt like, well, this is very interesting. The fact that they are all happening at once. And while I'm finding myself at this transformative yeah that's really interesting and did did this all happen around so 
the promotion at work and uh, what is it world chicago did these all happen around the same period as you started applying these you know discovering and doing things that you would have never dreamed of doing yes yes exactly and this is precisely why i think i mean is it a coincidence i don't think so personally Mm -hmm. i don't think so i think that me trying those new things had direct uh direct effect on those big things occurring in my life Mm. at the same time. I, I, you know, and I also noticed, I also noticed other things um, that were happening in my life, even with, let's say, uh, you know, very simple things. I, I mean, I am, I guess, a situational introvert. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a huge extrovert when it comes to people I don't know, Mm. but even with, uh, you know, I don't know, striking up a conversation with a stranger on the street. I mean, before I would never, ever do it myself, Mm. ever. I'm finding now kind of more myself at ease of doing something like that. So even though, um, you know, it's, it's, you would think, well, how is this related? But I think it really has direct effect on other areas of your life where you really, once you get out of your comfort zone in, you know, doing one thing, it really helps you do the same thing in, in, in other areas, whether it's your personal life, whether it's, you know, certain thing that you don't necessarily feel comfortable doing. So I, Paul, hundred percent, I attribute uh, those transformations in my life to trying new things. Yeah. And you, you found that report or you read that report that kind of backs all, all, also kind of backs it up as well. Exactly. Exactly. So it all, you know, to me now it all makes sense, right? So there is scientific research, uh, there's me actually trying new things. And again, I, I wanted to say that for me, those were like, I had to get out of my comfort zone big time. And, <laughs> and, and, move, and moving forward, you know, with you, your family, is this something that you're going to continue to do to, you know, is there, do you get some, do you get, do you look for things to do or do you get your husband or your, or did your son just say, look, do you think we should look at this or, you know, how does it work now? Yes. So it, it can absolutely continues to work because I think everybody sees mm. everybody in my family now sees the value to that. Yeah. So I can tell you that since, uh, you know, since the COVID pandemic and because I see the effectiveness of yeah. this approach or whatever you want to call it, I, every year, um, since 2021, I've been setting a goal for myself. This is one of my new year resolutions, mm-hmm. you know, new year's goals to try 10 new things every year. I write it down and I don't necessarily, you know, say a list. Okay. I have to, you know, visit a new place or I have to try a new food or I have to new try to a new sport. I don't do that, but I do set a set a number. So it's 10 new things that I try. But then at the end of the year, I actually list those things um in order right actually i list them as i as i complete them so that i don't forget right so but i'm finding that every year even though i set a limit at 10 i am actually doing more than 10 yeah and i think that this year for 2023 i'm actually going to raise the bar and uh increase the number to 15 and see how that goes but that is actually my uh one of my uh new year resolutions going forward because I so firmly believe in the effectiveness of those things. Yeah. And when you set your 10 things or 15 things as as it will be for 
2023. Do you position them or do you select them based on a criteria? Is it something you haven't done before? Is it something you fear? What is the criteria for something to to come into your list? Yeah. So for me, it's interesting. And I think, you know, for everybody, it's, it can be absolutely, you know, customized because again, something that is new for me could Mm. be, you know, something that somebody does every day and thinks nothing of it. So, but for me, um, because again, kind of given my uh, areas where I really need to get out of my comfort zone, so my weak points, right. So I uh, try, there has to be some sort of a new physical activity, a new sport that I have to try for other things. It maybe is a dream. I Mm. suppose we could call it that I've had for a long time. So I can give you one example. So I've always dreamed of seeing Northern Lights my entire life. And so uh, we just this, I don't know, a month, one, one month ago, we came back from Iceland where we saw the Northern Lights several nights in a row. Right. So it was actually, and, I, and when I went to the country, this was my, my goal is to see the Northern Lights. And I actually said, I'm not leaving until I see them. Yes. So, and, and, and it happened. And, you know, it, it uh, uh, my, my, my dream was heard and it, it happened, but mm. something, you know, something like this, that if you just want to see something or experience something, you know, maybe you've never seen snow yeah. or something like that, or, you know, what, whatever, whatever it may be. So it's just, if, if I, I kind of try to look back and see, okay, what is it that I've always wanted to see, mm. do, or experience? So yeah. I also base it on that. Um, and, and also, again, also making sure that I include something that takes me out of my comfort zone, okay. right? So becoming a member of, board of directors for a non-for-profit. This is something I've always wanted to do because yeah. I wanted to get the experience. I really wanted to understand how they work and I really wanted to help make a difference, right? Mm. So never done it, no idea how it works. Absolutely, you know, getting myself out of the comfort zone. But this was one of the things that I decided I do want to do it. I will try it and see where it takes me. So this was, you know, this is also would be one of the things that I would, um, you know, maybe some like a professional challenge or really, really where I would really expand my skills and grow my skills. So these are just some of the criteria. Again, I'm not, you know, this is not obviously not super organized, but I think that each one of us can decide, you know, what is it that has always been my dream that really, really put it on that list, but really it doesn't, whatever makes you get out of your comfort zone, Mm. put it on that list. And, yeah. you know, for some people, it can be as, um, you know, maybe you're like a picky eater or something, right? So mm. going to the supermarket and buying that exotic fruit, maybe that you've never tried before, mm. but you think that you really should try, maybe that's going to be uh, your your new thing. So it, can be, so, so, it, so it can be quite a range. So it doesn't have to be something huge. You know, a, a couple of them can be, you know, it can be. I don't know, um, something as you, as you just described. So it's, it's so you can, because I guess if you have 10 gigantic, you know, lists, you know, things to do on your list, that might be a little bit too ambitious. Although, 100% agree. And again, your new things don't have to cost anything mm. or really be of huge of an effort. It's something that you can do next door. You know, yeah. like for me, again, okay, like I said, I, for me, it was, 
talking to a stranger, striking up a conversation with a stranger is something, you know, very, that's very Mm. challenging. I typically don't do that, but it it, it would not require a lot of effort, you know, to go outside, I don't know, maybe or Mm. whatever at a bus stop or whatever, and and strike strike a conversation with somebody, you know, you, you don't know. Um, So, but it could be really something that, you know, would require you getting out of your comfort zone and, and, uh, you know, getting comfortable with that feeling of being uncomfortable. Absolutely. Which is important, which is really important because, you know, the comfort zone, we don't, what, what what comes to mind when I listen to to you talking is that I think it's very easy. I think when we live within the comfort of our comfort zone, we don't nearly tap into our full potential. So there's, so we've got these, you know, this whole myriad of life experiences that are there for us but because I guess we're not practiced in maybe going outside of our comfort zone we will never experience the delights the joys the the you know the, the, the new experiences of some of the things that you know maybe we've harbored privately or maybe to our nearest and dearest that we'd love to do this but we, we never really position it as something this realistic I, I had a conversation with somebody on an earlier podcast, uh, Runa, and she talks about, you know, we put ourselves in boxes. So we, we say so we kind of like live in boxes and we don't really go beyond that if we don't, you know, we, if we don't really think beyond that. Sometimes we don't even think of ourselves in boxes. We just, we just perceive something that we've always had a strong interest in, maybe privately as not really achievable it's for the other person it's for these people over here but what I love about what you're doing is that you're you know now you're consistently taking yourself trying new things and in some cases as you mentioned it's like actually I'm massively going outside of my comfort zone like that that zip wire scenario I remember at work years ago worked for a company years ago we went we had a team bond in exercise and I hadn't really looked at the emails and I kind of looked at the email the night before and it's something in the UK which is called go ape which is going into a a forest and you have to kind of like go over loads of different obstacles and you have to use a zip wire I'd never use a zip wire in my life and you know I don't think I slept the night before and I was so anxious about going up on a zip wire and being like Tarzan and or or Indiana Jones who makes it look fun it wasn't you know my 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 way of getting through that was to kind of like really go to the front so I could just be at the front of the group just doing these things first and it possibly people that were with me barring one or two friends who I may have confided and say look I didn't realize we were doing this Uh I probably I probably would have said that I was sick or something but I you know it all happened so quickly but that was my way of getting through it. I haven't done it since, but I gave myself a tick because I managed to do it. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, yeah, same thing. And I could, um, another also example, just real quick, but, um, indoor, indoor skydiving. So it's, it's something that's, you know, pretty popular here in the States, but um, and I decided to do it for my birthday. That was my actually new thing to do for my birthday absolutely mortified mm. same thing and in fact when it was time for me to do it I thought okay I'm, I'm not doing it yeah 
I'm, I'm not doing it. I, 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 there's still time to, to back up. Yeah. And yeah. And somehow my inner voice said, you know what, yeah. go, go do it, go do it. You, you'll be fine. Mm. And, uh, I was fine. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually really fun. Yeah. So, but, but, you know, things like that, I think that again, um, even though they, they sound pretty, um, you know, pretty scary. Mm. And, uh, but I think that you, you just got to believe in yourself and there, you know, the chances of something going wrong are very, very, very slim. Yeah, so, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. And just in terms of how we can back ourselves and try new things, you've demonstrated that as I alluded to at the outset, pretty much from day dot from Russia to moving to the States and different careers and so forth and learning languages. So for people maybe we can talk about careers for a little bit because you know start of a new year and but i guess it starts at the start of the year but it can blend into the into into the full year people will think about careers and it might only be a thought about career they may not actually execute and you know some of the things that we've spoken about where they might think actually it's not for me or it might even be a, a non-profit how have you know what's your approach to that transition how do you i guess weigh up the pros and cons and execute and maybe what advice would you have for people listening that might be thinking about a career transition whether it be within their existing company or maybe it's a totally reboot and doing something else yeah so i can share all you know some of the techniques that worked for me so, um, number one, I think that, you know, obviously we are assuming that, you know, the, the person researched the new, yeah. um, career, the new skills that would be required, and they would have a fairly good idea by either, you know, reading about the new role, uh, or a new industry or, um, asking their network about the insights of that. So, you know, have a, a pretty good idea of what it is that you're going to get yourself into, so, and if you are, if you are confident that, yes, this is something that I absolutely want to try, uh, this is, this is me. So by all means, go ahead and do it. Right. So I think that in many, many cases, the new skills that would be required in that new role, um, there, there is likely, um, some, some sort of, you know, background that you already have that okay. you will be able to leverage. So it's, I think it's very common, whether, whether it's something that maybe you, it's a job you held in high school, even yeah. there's lots and lots of uh, skills that you can leverage for that new role without, you know, on the surface, really realizing it. This was definitely the case for me. Like, for example, if I take my experience in education, I started mm. out my career as an educator. Yeah. I, I taught for nearly a decade in high schools and colleges. And right now I'm financial services and you would think, well, how, you know, mm. what's the connection there? But I can tell you that I leveraged the skills that I gained as a teacher in my uh, financial services career every single day. And, you know, and just sort of leaning into that a little bit in terms of, so going from academia to the financial services, you know, correlation, I, I guess, but were you, when you went for that process, you didn't view that as a, as a handicap that you were coming from academia. You still had the confidence to, to get, to, to act, to go into financial services. And 
did you think about failure or did you think about, well, this is a stretch? You know, what was your mindset going into that? Yeah. So I actually, uh, to me, and I touched a little bit on that in the beginning. So for me, when it comes to very gaining new skills, something, you know, intellectual work, whatever, for me, that's actually pretty exciting. I find it. um, I like that. Yeah. So I, because again, and, and again, you know, the, 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 even if you fail, I mean, most of the time, I mean, assuming you're not saving lives, the world's not going to end yeah. even if you drop the ball. Right. So, and I think that in most instances when, um, you know, recruiters or whatever hiring managers are looking for new employees, they look for really for the skills that can be uh, leveraged for the position and that it not may necessarily be a hundred percent match. Right. So you, you don't have really to have the 100 percent match for the yeah. requirements. So I think that if you if somebody is considering a career change, don't view the fact that your skill set is not a 100 percent match for mm. job description as a setback. Okay. If you feel that this role is the right role for you, apply by all means apply. Mm. And, and you know, again, if, if there is an opportunity for you to get in touch with a hiring manager, with a recruiter, get learn more about the uh, organization, about the role, do it. You know, we have LinkedIn. Most most yeah. uh, most professionals are there, so that's that's another good thing. But I think that if if um, you know you are confident about that new industry that you want to experience, um, but you are not quite sure if your skill set is hundred uh, percent match by all means apply it's very likely that you will be able to learn quickly Mm. on the job and you will be most likely able to leverage your existing skill set to get you know to those new levels Mm. um so and and again you know a lot a lot of uh, jobs have to do with you know whether it's relationship building for example Mm. you know we build relationships in in our work most of us every every single day so um just these are just some examples so by by all means go ahead and do it and um, if even if you don't get the job, which is obviously totally fine, not a failure, mm. right? Uh, not a failure. It's just your your attempt. You will likely, you know, maybe you will be get access to a new recruiter, right? Yeah. Build a relationship with that recruiter. Build a relationship with that hiring manager. Ask them what is it that I could have done differently, mm. or you know, what types of skills do you recommend that I gain in order to apply for similar similar roles in your company? So you can still, even if it doesn't quite work out, you can still learn a lot, right? Uh, By, by asking those, uh, those follow-up questions that can really help you get, get ahead in the next position that you apply for. So by all means, hundred percent, go ahead and do it, apply. And uh, eventually you will succeed. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I I love your, your advice about, always look for the learnings even if you know this isn't you know you don't get that that particular role but you know for whatever reason there's you know there will be a gold mine of useful information that you can use for something i you know that will potentially be even better than the role that that, that you've applied for you know and absolutely 100 yeah. percent, absolutely and, and one other kind of um uh thing that worked for me i feel paul is that uh a lot of the times you know, uh, I actually, even though, you know, it, it may not necessarily felt like, oh, this is this role, it was 100% right for me. Mm. I still went ahead and interviewed because I felt that interviewing for a role gave me that 
priceless practice. Yeah. Right. Really? That's interesting. Yes. And, and, and again, you know, I was, you know, when I started doing job interviews, you know, when I entered the workforce, I was, you know, I was not good. I Mm. I was really not good. It, it, it really required a lot of practice for me Mm. to really get comfortable with the interviews. And I understood that as I was going, uh, going, you know, with each round of interviews, I'm like, oh, I really, I just need practice. I need practice yeah. and I'm going to see, you know, I'm going to get as much as I can. Yeah, yeah, part of that learning curve. Yes. Part of the learning curve. So amazing advice. And because I think we all go through that challenge where we don't potentially back ourselves. You know, again, we put ourselves in boxes. So I love your advice. It's about, you know, go for it. Take yourself out of the box. And just think about, you know, the information and what we're going to learn. You know, we might even get the job. If we don't get the job, there's no harm there because, you know, there's a whole there's a whole raft of new information that we have access to. Lots of lessons learned. Exactly. Okay. Okay. I'm conscious of your time. So, but what I was really keen to ask you about is World Chicago. So maybe if you can give us a little bit of a... A background on World Chicago and what that does. Yes, it will. Yes, with pleasure. So, World Chicago is a Chicago-based non-for-profit organization, uh, and we actually just celebrated our seventieth year wow. anniversary this year. Congratulations! Thank you very much. So, big deal, big deal for us. But um, it's uh, it's an organization that has uh, lots of programs that have to do with citizen diplomacy. Mm. meaning that the organization helps Chicagoans be connected with uh, young people and professionals from around the world. So the programs that the organization runs um, in conjunction with the U.S. Department of State are basically help um, professionals and young people from all over the world come to Chicago for uh, personal and professional exchanges. So we, the, you know, the, the number of programs is really, uh, it's very high, right? And so again, we work with all ages. And um, it's really kind of an opportunity for, uh, let's say, you know, if we take business people yeah. from, you know, Europe, uh, Africa, or Middle East or whatever. So, and they they get to experience the business culture of Chicago businesses yeah. by coming, um, you know, to in, con- in, 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 in contact with the CEOs, um, mm. you know, with managers at, um, at Chicago companies and really, you know, learning for themselves of certain techniques that they would have never learned or experienced in their home country with the expectation that it will really help them grow their business. It will help them improve, you know, socioeconomic situation in their communities. It will help them give, you know, grow jobs and give more yeah. jobs in their local communities. So, and of course, uh, this also gives them the opportunity to interact with Chicagoans. And for Chicagoans, of course, it's an opportunity for us to see that, you know what, these people are not that different from us. Yeah. Right. So, and, you know, essentially kind of the the mission of the organization, it's really to, um, you know, uh, build economic development and that citizen diplomacy and, and eventually contribute to world peace. So fascinating, you know, fascinating programming that are, of course, very effective. Um, the organization has has grown since its inception. And, you know, I'm, I'm just so, so honored and so thrilled to be, you know, making a small difference by being on the board there. No, it sounds, it sounds amazing. And I love that, that cross connection of 
different information. So people that, you know, engage the program, if you're not from Chicago, you're going to get access to amazing people, learn amazing things about CEOs, business, about how you can, I guess, grow and, you know, evolve your business. But interestingly, it must be quite, it must be quite intriguing the little bits of information that you get, or maybe lots of lots of information you get about how people in different parts of the world, how they operate. And maybe they're, do you ever get those, those pieces of information that are a little bit different and actually quite interesting for you guys? Absolutely. You know, we, uh, so for, you know, for those of us who are volunteers uh, or, you know, board members at World Chicago, we get to host some of these guests that yeah. come as dinner hosts. So we get to host them in our homes for several days. So I recently had the pleasure of hosting some of the um, business, I guess they're entrepreneurs from uh, the Balkans who visited us. Oh, so wow. we had somebody from North Macedonia. We had somebody from Croatia and um, I want to say Montenegro. So anyway, and they, all of them had shared some stories you know, of, of the way things are, yeah. things are done or the, you know, the relationship building, um, between, you know, business people, et cetera. So it's, it's always, you know, culturally, it's always so fascinating yeah. just kind of how, or maybe some obstacles that they face on their, mm. in their daily lives because of certain laws or, you know, because some countries, um, their laws are not so friendly towards small business, for example, right. Which, you know, in the United States, perhaps business owners take for granted. So it's 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 fascinating to listen to these differences, these challenges that they have to overcome on a daily uh, you know basis sometimes, whereas here they may be taken for granted or vice versa, right? Um, so it's yeah, absolutely, and I think that's actually one of my favorite things uh, to, no, I, to I, learn about I, I, is that you know the, the the findings. What what is it that you guys yeah, find that is yeah. so different? Yeah, it must be really interesting to chronicle those things that you guys find and that can maybe evolve what you guys are doing as well. And I also wanted to ask you about, forgive my pronunciation, but there's a program that you guys do. Is it the Waitili program? It's Waitili program. That is correct. So that is another uh, program that is sponsored by the U S department of state. And uh, so it, it is an annual program. And um, basically, the application, you have to apply for it. Okay. And the application period typically starts in the springtime. So typically around end of February, March is when the application period starts. But this program is particularly for young entrepreneurs from Europe. Okay. And the program gives these um, people an opportunity to come to the United States and experience the way that American companies in the same or similar area as their small business is run, get to experience how these you know businesses are um, managed. They get to work with managers at those companies. They get they get to stay you know in the city. Mm. Um, they're placed in different cities around around the United States, and it's uh, it's a it's a program that consists of several weeks. Yeah, uh, I want to say it's a it's a six week program, so it, it you know it requires quite a time commitment, but it really I think that the learnings for these young entrepreneurs again this is limited to Europe uh, are really you know they're endless. 
we, we, when we talk to these participants um, who have applied and, and won the, the, you know, won the application, they just, you know, they're, yeah. they're so thankful and they, they have a ton of um, kind of lessons that they learned that they, they know that they're mm. going to be implementing when they return to their communities, the, the way they're going to grow the business, the way they're going to um, make an even bigger difference yeah. in their communities. So it's really fascinating. So, um, you know, I would love to share information about the program when the application period comes closer. There is a website for, for that where people can apply, but maybe your listeners who are uh, from Europe uh, who would be interested in something like this, uh, I think that they should absolutely take advantage of this program. Uh, next that year. Sound, it sounds fabulous. And what I will do is put that information. No, you and I will be in contact. We've already discussed this. So yes. As and when the applications have come out, come out, I would love to be able to share that information either on show notes or via a newsletter um, blast where people Fantastic. Can, can get access to that because it, it sounds amazing. I wish I was a little bit younger to, to go for that. But, not, not, but spread the word, Paul. Spread the word. I, I, I will spread the word. So um, we're definitely getting towards the end now. So a question that has been on my mind that I haven't asked you yet. What are your five languages that you speak? So Russian is my first language, yeah. followed by English, which I started learning when I was eight. Uh, and then third is Spanish. Okay. Spanish, and then once Spanish. I learned Spanish, I sort of thought, well, you know, there are other Romance languages that would make sense yeah. learning, right? Because uh, I will definitely see a pattern between them. And so French was my following, my fourth. Wow. And then Italian was was my fifth. So three romance, but then you know Russian and, and English, which are okay, okay, very different. And, and is there a language that you've always been curious to kind of like maybe explore that you haven't yet? Oh yes, well lots of them, but I can tell you kind of my lat- my latest passion, and yeah. that's Icelandic. So oh, really. Uh, yeah, I, I think I kind of, you know, said a little bit. So we just returned from Iceland yeah. and, and uh, I've always been fascinated with the country, always been fascinated mm-hmm. with the language. In fact, I've been actually having a hard time finding, um, you know, language learning resources, you know. So but um, apps, I think that it's just um, so so beautiful and so complicated, too. So maybe uh, that would be my my next okay. my next okay. Uh, project. OK, so you and I clearly will be staying in contact and I'm, I'm curious and keen to see how that how that goes. <laughs> I will keep you um, posted. OK, and my, my last question is for actually I've got two questions. So th- th- this is the recurring question. So if you could invite three inspirational people for dinner, alive or past, who would you invite? So I would invite three women who are living. The first woman that I would invite, my first guest would be Bjork. Okay. Bjork is an uh, Icelandic artist, right? She's a singer who's been, um, you know, creating in the music industry for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And I like, I love music, but I'm not, you know, one of those people who gets, you know, infatuated or, Mm fascinated with a singer or with a certain group but with with Bjork it's always been different she's always kind of mesmerized me with her creativity mm. whenever she produces something new it's always very new yeah. and it's always very cool so it's it's just I think that I would absolutely ask her about you know how how is it that you your creativity knows mm. no end 
How is yeah. it that you come up with things that are so different and are so creative and are so beautiful uh, without, you know, repeating yourself? And where, where do you get your inspiration mm. from? And of course, again, because I am, I am so in love with Iceland, I would absolutely ask her how her roots influenced her as an artist, just yeah. because it's such a fascinating country. So I would definitely ask her about that. Um, my second guest would be Sarah Blakely. Yeah. Sarah Blakely is a U.S. entrepreneur mm-hmm. who is who founded a um, kind of women apparel company called Spanx, and you know she basically kind of built a, a, you know an empire essentially. Mm-hmm. But the reason why I find Sarah so interesting is because of her relationship with failure. Yeah, I've been yeah. kind of reading about her, you know, biography and. I find, I think that, no, this is definitely one of the examples where um, Sarah embraced failure from really, Mm. you know, being a young child. And there's very, very cool effect from her childhood that she shares. And it's when she would be, you know, as a schoolgirl, she would come home from school and her father would ask her, so Sarah, what did you fail at today? And he would be very disappointed when she would say Mm. nothing because her dad felt that if you didn't fail at something today, that meant that you didn't get out of your comfort zone today. Mm. And when she finally, you know, did badly on, I don't know, theater edition at school, she was so excited to come home to tell her dad, daddy, I actually failed at this audition. Yeah. I was terrible. No, I was awful. And he said, and he was so excited that this yeah. happened. And so I find that this whole notion of embracing failure, you know, mm. where it's just really your BFF and you actually mm. looking to fail every day. It's something that's fascinating. And I think that absolutely, you know, um, mm. her success is very much attributed yeah. to, to that kind of uh, uh, approach. And uh, last but not least, my third guest would be Oprah Winfrey. Yeah. And who, who, you know, everybody knows Oprah. Everybody mm. loves Oprah. And I think that, you know, for her, it's just that I've always admired her for, you know, for everything that she does. Not only is she, um, you know, her life story is is mm. absolutely fascinating, but I think that, you know, every word that comes out of her mouth is just pure magic, yeah. I think. And uh, she just her outlook on life and how she's so inspirational, even though, of course, you know, I don't know her personally, but every time I listen to her, I want to be a better person. Right. Yeah. I want to do good. I want to be better. I want to improve myself. And, you know, everybody needs a person like yeah. that in their life. So I think I would just, you know, I would just listen to her talk. I would ask <laughs> yeah. her about her background. It's been and an amazing would, dinner. Yeah. And I would ask her, you know, about the schools, the girls' schools yeah. that she created. And just how is it that she finds uh, so much, you know, so much kindness and so mm. much love for everybody? You know, there's she just has mm. no shortage of that. So so these would be the the three the three people that I would be my guests. Yeah, that would be an amazing dinner. That would be an awesome, an awesome dinner conversation. <laughs> I think be. it would be a lovely blend, and I, I, yeah, that would be that would be lovely. Hopefully, you know, I'd love one of these dinners to happen, maybe one day. Exactly. And um, so and 
how can people um uh, contact you you know is there should i put a link to world chicago is that the best yeah or my my linkedin i have a okay. my, my linkedin profile it's pretty i'm pretty active so if there's anybody whoever wants to reach out on linkedin that is um that is absolutely probably the best way to do it Okay, lovely. Tatjana, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed talking to you. I think there are future episodes for us to collaborate. I think we didn't get to go in hugely on localization. I'd love to maybe discuss that in in more detail. Uh, Exchanges. I know you're, I know, well, Chicago, you know, is doing stuff there, but I think there's a bigger discussion around that. That sounds great, Paul. And all the wonderful things you're doing. But Thank you so much. Thank you. Happy holidays. It was a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. And thank you, everybody, for tuning into this episode of My Perfect Failure. I hope you really enjoyed this discussion as much as I did. Um, We're always looking to grow the show. So please do share this podcast um, far and wide. And your feedback is most welcome. So we're always keen to hear about things you like, maybe things you think we can improve on. So you can find me at paul at myperfectfailure.com or you can find me via the website and there's a contact page there. So until the next time, take care for now. Thanks for listening to My Perfect Failure podcast. Be sure to visit www.myperfectfailure.com to join the conversation. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Look out for our next episode.